When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, it's Eddie Trunk. It's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. It is greatly appreciated. Very quick open here because we have another expansive interview with two guests. Coming up first, Miles Kennedy talking about his upcoming new solo record, upcoming work with Slash, a little Alter Bridge talk. I love Miles. Huge fan of all of his stuff. Huge Alter Bridge fan as well, and I am excited about Miles' upcoming new solo record, which will be out soon. You'll hear all about that from the great Miles Kennedy. And in hour number two, or I shouldn't say hour number two, interview number two this week on the podcast, Michael Schenker. New Michael Schenker record out is really, really good. Matter of fact, I read an interview or I read a review in Classic Rock just recently that called the new Michael Schenker record the best record he's made since Assault Attack, which was in like 83. So that's really saying something. And I don't know if I disagree, to be honest with you. It really is a return to form for Michael. So we'll talk to Michael Schenker coming up in the second interview. We'll lead with Miles Kennedy. As I tell you guys all the time, the interviews you hear on this podcast originated on my radio show, Trunk Nation, heard on Sirius XM volume channel 106 hear me live there daily 2 to 4 p.m eastern time nightly re-airs 10 to midnight eastern full shows audio video more anytime you want on the sirius xm app be sure to follow on social media at eddie trunk especially twitter and instagram where i am most active and also a fan page on facebook eddietrunk.com is the official online home Without further ado, let's do a quick break. We'll come back with Miles, second Michael Schenker, on this week's podcast. Coming up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts. Ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back. It's Eddie Trunk, and we start with Miles Kennedy. Coming up after Miles, it will be Michael Schenker. A huge double dip interview. Hope you enjoyed all the Sabbath stuff the last couple weeks. Can't get bigger than that, but this one is no chop liver either. Two great artists for you on this week's podcast, starting with Miles Kennedy. Here he is. How are you, buddy? Good, buddy. How are you doing? Good. Good to see you. Where are you at there? Is that like your, uh, is that your man cave creating room? What do you got there? What's going on? Yeah, this is the man cave. It's the creating <laughs> room where I spend a lot of time. Is that where you wrote your new solo record? It is. As a matter of fact, I, I'd say, um, geez. Yeah. I think the majority of it was put together in this room. Yeah. So Ides of March coming out in May. Yeah. <laughs> did you yeah. did you not realize like, hey, maybe I should get this thing out in March? <laughs> hey, they both start with an M, right? Why not? <laughs> you know, you know we, it's funny because we had, uh, we discussed trying to put it out in, in March, but it was just too difficult given the circumstances. That was the, you know, that was the, that was certainly discussed, but uh, yeah, too, too many crazy things to get in the way at this point. So I texted with you about the making of this record when you were making it. We were just in touch off the air and all that. So I know what you did to make it and the journey you took literally across the country to to make it. Uh, talk a little bit about creating what is your second solo record coming out on May 14th because you went through you you put some you put some miles in to do it, didn't you? Yeah, literally. Um <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I started chipping away at it um, right when Alter Bridge was in the middle of an album cycle. And uh, we, we wrapped up in my hometown here in Spokane for, for just one portion of a U.S. leg. And we thought we were supposed to head to, to Asia and, and uh, keep the tour going. But uh, then everything shut down. So um, I thought, well, I better try and be productive here. Who knows how long this is going to last? And I started just writing constantly. And um, I think the uh, um, as as the months went on, I realized, well, we, we might as well just try and finish a record here. So we got together and and orchestrated plans for a, uh, um, a recording sessions with Elvis in, in Florida. And as that date grew closer we realized, well, we've got a lot of gear. I'm not sure if I really want to get on a plane at this point. Let's just drive all the gear across the country. So, you know, it's roughly 3000 miles away and, and we rented a suburban and, and Z and I packed up the suburban on a Saturday morning <laughs> and drove, uh, met Tim, I think, I think in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, uh, um, our manager and, and, and bass player and, we were in we were in Florida rolling by Tuesday. So at the, at the studio of Elvis. Is it possible to drive 
to from to two further points in the U.S. than going from Spokane to Orlando. <laughs> I guess if I, you went to Miami, it would be a little further. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We picked pretty much the furthest place we could. You know, the Keys would have maybe been further. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know what, man? It was actually a lot of fun. It was it was hanging out with with those guys is just a. <laughs> I mean, we're like three children and it's fun you know just silliness the entire time i was uh i i was in vegas last week and i did fly i didn't drive there from new jersey i I, I could never be in a car that long i put the mask on and got on the plane but one of the guys i saw and hung out with and had dinner with in vegas just saturday night was your bandmate in slash's band frank sidoris and we were talking about you. We were talking about this record. And even Frank said to me, can you believe he drove from Washington to Florida in like a suburban? He's just like, you can't drive any further than that, I don't think. I said, no, I don't think you can. That's a commitment to the art right there. Well, I don't know. I mean, we were – it was it was pretty wacky. When I think of it now, when you put it in those terms, yeah, we, were, we were crazy. But, um, but it was fun and it worked out. And um, – you know, we were in and out of there, I think, in, in about a month, something like that, to make, making the record. And then, so uh, writing yeah. so writing this record, Miles, of course, your second solo record, the first one, You're the Tiger, was was what now I've only heard the single you released yesterday, which we'll talk about in a second. But my but just from hearing the single, this record is gonna be a very different tone than the first solo record, which was way more personal and more of a, an acoustic vibe. This is, you went for something totally different here, right? Yeah. I wanted to, uh, I think I wanted to just turn it up and uh, plug in. Uh, th- there are definitely acoustic elements on this record. I mean, I didn't totally abandon that approach. Um, but uh, one of, one of the things I really wanted to explore more um, was the art of guitar playing. And, and, and I, as you know, I started as a guitar player and I got kind of sick of my friends saying, when are you going to, when are you going to actually do what you do and, and, you know, make a, make a legit guitar record that that, where you explore what you love. And I was like, all right, let's, 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 uh, let's, let's evaluate that. And so this was that opportunity, you know, it was just a, um, a lot of, a lot of woodshedding the year prior, trying to get my chops back. And, um, um, it was fun, man. I'm, and I'm still on that kick. I, I love the guitar. It's the, <laughs> as most guitar players will state, it's the, pretty much the coolest instrument ever. Don't tell that to a drummer, but, uh, <laughs> well, well, we've talked about that in the past. And I think that's surprising to a lot of people because you're known so much for your voice but your passion has always been guitar playing. And of course with slash, you hardly play any guitar. You're just basically front the band and in alter bridge, people who have seen the band and really know the band know that you play a fair amount pretty much the whole time on stage with Mark. But I, I wondered about that for you having a third outlet now doing this, doing solo records, I would imagine for you, the, the kick is more about being able to play all the guitars than anything else as, as that outlet. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, especially making, making the records, you know, getting in the studio and actually even demoing in here. I mean, the different, one of the big difference from the, from year of the tiger to, to Ides of March is that I had a very 
clear vision of what I wanted. I'd basically d- done the demos. I would put the drums together uh, as a rough sketch for Kazia would take them and make them way better, make the parts way better, but basically played everything in here and went to town with the guitar parts, lap steel parts, whatever bass parts. And then, um, you know, we went into the studio to record it for real to get the sounds appropriate and um, and get everything where they needed to be frequency wise. And, El- and Elvis, our producer, is just, you know, amazing in that sense. And one of the things I really appreciated uh, and appreciate about working with Elvis is that he's when he hears something, he's like, you know what, it's, it's fine the way it is. Let's just recreate it and get it where it needs to be sonically. And I'll make sure I get the best out of you from a performance standpoint, but the parts are there. And, and, and that was a big difference from year of the tiger where you're the tiger. It was, well, here are the acoustic tracks. It was basically, I sent the demos, just acoustic guitar and, and vocals and the eyes of March were very realized versions of where things were going to go. So once we got in the studio, it, it was fun just to experiment with sounds and different amps and, and, uh, as opposed to trying to come up with a lot of parts, you know, and that, that takes a lot of time in the studio where you're riffing back and forth with a producer and go, what do you think of this texture here? What do you think of this part? Well, it was, it was pretty much already established. So we just got to have a good time with the tones. And, and if there was a part that Elvis was like, nah, that could be better. Let's, let's, let's push that out of the fold. Let's work on that. And, and that was, that's always welcome because I trust Elvis so much. He's so amazing. Elvis, of course, Elvis Basquette, the producer of all the Alter Bridge records and, of course, Miles' solo records as well. You know, I'm I'm wondering, too, like, to do a solo thing, obviously you've got this ability to play all these guitars, which you love to do. But also the big difference, I would think, is in Slash's thing, you're the singer, it's, it's more his thing. In Alter Bridge, it's very much you and Mark and obviously all the guys, it's a collaborative thing solo record it's you i mean it's your name on it you get to be the boss you don't have to run anything by anybody else in the band you don't have to go to you know to mark or brian or you know it's your thing do you like that do you like that doing solo records it can be a singular that's the one outlet you have that not only you get to play a lot of guitar but it's your singular vision it lives and dies by what you want to do I think if you ask most artists who have the opportunity to explore this realm, they'll, they'll, they'll say, yes, they enjoy it. I, I think that when you're left to your own devices and your name is attached to it, um, you, you know, you're kind of being, you're putting yourself to the fire. So if you want that responsibility, you know, <laughs> have fun with that because it, it, you can always, when, when it's presented as a, as a band, it's like, it's a collective and you're like, well, it, it's a different, it, it's certainly a different mentality. And when it's your solo record and everything, especially if you're writing it all yourself and you're arranging it all and, and, and it's, it's different. I feel like it's different when you're getting together with a bunch of writers and, and, or a producer who puts the record together for you. If you're, if I feel like that's a, that's a different entity altogether, but if you're going to, step into the ring and be like, all right, I'm going to create something here. Hopefully people <laughs> like it, but there's nowhere to pass the buck when it's all there's you. No there's nowhere nowhere. It doesn't buck. work. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that guy dropped the ball. It was his idea. There's nowhere else to go. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's really liberating and it's, and it is really fun to explore things that you wouldn't have the opportunity to do in the other entities. And I love that. And I feel like it helps make me, uh, it, it reignites the fire. Then when I get back to the other groups and, and then I'm, I feel like the, the palate is cleansed and I'm ready to do that again. So this is a, it's a wonderful opportunity and I don't take it for granted. Well, the full album is not out till May 14th. You can pre-order it now at mileskennedy.com. And there's a bunch of different bundles that I want to touch on here in a second. Uh, we'll do much more on the record when we get closer to it actually being out in, in May. We'll do another round when everybody can actually hear and buy the, the full album. But for now, the, the single is out. But I want to ask you one more question about creating the record in general. As far as writing, did you write? do you write specifically like Four Ides of March, did you write specifically for it? Or did you have a bit of an archive that you went to in addition to some new things? Like, like where, where did you mine the songs from? Was it all written specifically for the record? Yeah, uh, most of it was. Um, most of it was written between March and July of 2020. There are two songs that, believe it or not, were, well, one in particular that was recorded and it, for the mysterious very first record that that uh, never I was going to ask you about that. That's where I'm going because for people yeah. that don't know, Miles completed a solo record that it's kind of like his version of Prince, the Black Album for a while. It's never come out. Now the Black Album ended up coming out from Prince. I don't know if yours ever will, but there is a record you made that you didn't feel confident about putting out. So I'm wondering if anything from that has shown up here. One song did. Yeah. Wow. It's just like on, on, on year of the tiger, the same thing with a, it was a song called love can only heal, which I think was ended up being one of the most popular songs on the record. Um, and so with this album, there was a track that I really loved from the very first, we'll call it the black record uh, that, uh, that uh, I ended up feeling like it would really fit the narrative, the arc of the narrative of this album. And um, so went ahead and re-recorded that uh, and kind of did the same thing that we did on, on, on love can only hear where it, I took the demo, the original demo recorded in 2009 and rebuilt around it. We were even going to, I think we were even talking about using the original vocal, but then we just ended up redoing the whole thing. And um, so there's that song. And then there's another one that was written during the, the black record era, uh, which, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which felt, once again felt like it would really fit this record. So, so those are those are the only two that weren't written in that that span between March and and July. But other than that, you know, this this record, I hate using the word concept record because Year of the Tiger was definitely a concept record. But this record was very inspired by obviously by everything that's been going on. And I what I'm very curious to see as so many so many artists have been locked down with nothing to do but create how many records are going to be these oh, yeah. lockdown records where it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, I think it's definitely going to be serve as a, you know, 20 years from now when people are listening to the radio and a song comes, they're going, ah, that was written during the, <laughs> during the pandemic. Well, yeah. I, and I mean, I, I mean, look, especially someone like yourself in three bands that are so active touring around the world, You've never found yourself with a year and change sitting at home in a long, long time. So if you're a musician, I've been saying this for the last year on this show, 
you got nothing to do but to write, cr- create, record. And I've told my audience, that, like, if there's a band you love and you're hoping for a new record from them and you don't get it immediately coming out of this, you ain't getting it because there's no there's no reason to not do it right now. And, and it seems to be what everyone's doing. But going back to your uh, your your unreleased record, so what you're telling me is previous record, one song from it, this record, one song from it. So when we get to around the 10th Miles Kennedy solo record, that whole record will eventually be there in some sequence. Exactly. You're smart, man. Maybe that's why I like you. Uh, yeah. It's, you just pull uh, one from each record and there you go. Oh, yeah. You never know. But I look, I would that very first record. The, the, we, we should come up with a decent name for it other than, I mean, I like the the black record, but there obviously have been some very important black records already. Right. already. Right, right. Um, I'm just going to call it the Eddie Trunk record. How do you like that? Uh, I'd be honored. I'd be honored. Right. We'll sell two copies if you put that on it, but I'd be honored. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Ides of March is out on May 14th. I noticed the the album cover was revealed it, you in a very like mountainous setting. Where was that? I imagine by your house. Yeah, that was um that was here in Spokane. We actually we kind of had to um f- figure out how to do the photo shoot, which was interesting. And so just used what was available in in my beautiful hometown here. And 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 it was also the, on the particular day when we shot most of the photos, it was very overcast and foggy and dark. And it was just like, yeah, this is going to, this is going to fit a lot of the lyrical arc of this record. So, um, so it ended up being perfect. And in stride is the song that came out yesterday video for it as well. And, you know, I, I love the, the message and vibe and tone of the song, the, the, the whole thing of like, I was saying this on the air the, the other day, and I, I don't think this is, necessarily the message you're putting out but along the lines of i said on the air yesterday to my audience look everybody i think everybody's just gotta calm the fuck down a little bit like just calm the fuck down like everything's (laughs) so divided and polarized everybody's at each other's throat i said the other day springsteen did a, a tv commercial about unity during the super bowl which divided everybody it's like it was about unity like can everybody just chill the hell out and that is the vibe of in stride, is it not? Amen, brother. You just you just hit it perfectly. That's really that people just need to, yeah, kind of step back <laughs> and say, hey, what's what's uh, yeah, yeah you, I I can't articulate it any better than you just did. <laughs> well, I mean, that's you know, I I'm trying to be in this new year, Miles. I'm trying to be optimistic, glass half full. I feel we're turning the corner. I feel vaccines are rolling. I I went to the uh, CVS the other day. There was a huge line of people getting their vaccines. I was in Vegas last week. They're opening up things again. Uh, Things are starting to roll. I'm starting to hear about some concerts maybe being announced towards the end of the year. So I'm trying to go like in an optimism mode and, uh, and think positively. Are you in the same boat? Do you feel that way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I feel like we're on the, um, we're on the upswing. Everything's going to work out just fine, but, uh, um, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> because well, I, Lord knows I'm going freaking crazy here. I need to get out and tour. <laughs> you know, I want to see the, I want to see some smiling faces and see people singing songs and, and, uh, and, 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 you know, the fellowship of rock and roll. I miss that. 
Yeah, people ask me about what I miss too, and of course I miss the shows and the bands I love seeing them live and the music and all that, but but being in this business and having so many friends in these bands like yourself, I miss being at the show and getting to talk a little bit and saying hello and you know giving a big hug and and the whole camaraderie of this scene that we're lucky enough to be in. That's a big thing too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you talk about wanting to get out of the house a couple of days ago Sebastian Bach sent out a tweet and he wrote, can anybody get me this shot? I got to get out of the fucking house. I'm going crazy. <laughs> and if you know Sebastian, I'm just like, oh, that's just so classic. I could, f- I felt so bad for his wife and kids because I could just see him pacing, trying to get somebody to broker him a shot, you know? <laughs> funny. That's funny. Yeah, it's 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 been, I think for anybody who lives to perform and lives to live it's that you know it's that connection that's why so many of us get into this is that you there's a certain rapport and there's a certain um i don't even it's that's the beauty of of music is it's 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 hard to articulate but boy it's made me appreciate it you know it's made me appreciate the the whole ritual and the fact that we've for so many of us are the lifeblood have been sucked out you know, and, um, and I get it. I, 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 obviously these are unprecedented times and, and, um, certain compromises had to be made, but, but boy, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, and, but you've, you've lived both extremes to it now, Miles, because you, you've been on the other end of the coin, most of your career where you have been probably pretty frayed at the ends between mm-hmm. going just bouncing between slash and alter bridge alone now you're throwing in solo stuff so you you've been on that other end now you're obviously nobody wants to be in this extreme and that we're in now but i imagine this year and for however much longer this lasts has also done you probably some good right i mean giving you some really good rest and probably helped i mean you're a guy for people that don't know you don't even like to talk on show days or rest your voice so i imagine this has probably been good for you in some ways i would think yeah yeah it was it really good i mean i i think that as far as my my sleep schedule i now have a a, a routine from a sleep standpoint i get six to seven hours a night and i can't even i don't remember the last time that was the case and uh i do really enjoy being home and i enjoy being with my wife and and the dog and now we've adopted the neighborhood cat as well which has been a whole new thing <laughs> and i love all that you know it's 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 wonderful um but at the same time once once i was able to power down long enough you know as you know the last decade whatever was pretty relentless touring wise making records and, and whatnot and i was pretty frayed i think i i, I would be lying if and disingenuous if i didn't it, cop to the fact that by around 2017 that that pace was starting to catch up with me and even people were around me were starting to notice that they're like man you're you're starting to look pretty haggard bro you need some time off and um and so this has been good and healthy for me in that respect but uh at the same time it's been a year now and i'm starting to i'm starting to get the edge if we'd had this conversation what's interesting if we would have had this conversation even three or four months ago. I don't know if I was quite ready yet, but, but now I'm, now I'm feeling it. Yeah. All right. So I won't, I won't keep you much longer. Cause again, we'll do much more on the record when it's actually out, which is not until May 14th, but the singles out there. Now you can pre-order now 
at MilesKennedy.com. There's all these elaborate packages and different ways you can get the record. I, I do. I don't want to let you go though without asking you for updates on both Slash and Alter Bridge. Anything you can tell us? Oh, we just he just dropped his Zoom or something. Boom. He's, get, he's getting his camera back up. I, have, I, I, I started this new thing where I, I was like, oh, I'm going to, it's a long story, but I found this program to help me use my phone as the camera. Cause the camera on my, uh, uh, on my computer just blew. So, uh, so as you notice during the conversation, it's the phone started ringing and I was like, I am an idiot with technology, but uh, <laughs> I'm not much better. Very I'm not on. much better. So any updates on the, because uh, once things do start up, as far as Slash and Alter Bridge, what can you tell us as far as timetables, music, touring, records with either of them? I know the there was a, a, a sort of an EP, a live thing that came out from Walk the Sky for Alter Bridge. So just give us quick updates if, uh, of what you can on the other two things you're involved in. Yeah, as far as Alter Bridge goes, um, obviously we were right in the middle of an album cycle, and uh, that uh, uh, got sh- unfortunately, you know, shortchanged, which is a real drag because we were really happy with with that, and things were going very well. As far as uh, with Slash the Conspirators, been in the process of writing for months and demoing, and things are coming together really nicely. So. You know, fingers crossed that uh, something can come out uh, sooner than later. Uh, I think I think with with bands at that magnitude, it's different with my solo thing because a lot of that I just go out and do, you know, I'll show up with an acoustic guitar and I can play to more in intimate settings depending on the on the market. But with, a, you know, Alter Bridge or with Slash and the gang, you know, these are bigger rooms. And obviously, until we can get all of this uh, figured out to where you know, large amounts of people can assemble together without there being health issues. Um, You know, I guess we're all just kind of in queue waiting to see what will happen. So to to commit and say, oh, it's absolutely going to happen here. I think we're still, fingers crossed, hoping that everything's going to roll out as planned so we can all get back to work. Yeah, I know Slash has told me he's been writing a lot and and he's a guy that isn't used to being home either, so I'm sure he's putting a lot into the into that end of things. But have you have you been able to do anything? Have you and Mark even talked about a follow-up to Walk the Sky yet? Have you knocked ideas around or is that too soon? Yeah, it's it's still a little soon. Yeah, we've still uh I know he's been working on his material for for Tremonti and um you know, we I think that uh, I would guess that that will will recommence as far as the getting the creative juices flowing later later this year. And are you going to be able to, as far as touring, well, when we get touring back, are you going to be able to make up the Alter Bridge stuff? Do you? I mean, it's hard, I guess, ever for anybody to say because you don't know when everything's going to come back and what everybody's individual commitments are going to be. But for the dates that you lost for alter bridge is the hope to be able to make them up or do you just kind of have to leave them be and pick up with whatever's happening then how how are you going to handle that do you know yeah i think that that's that's a definitely an agent manager question what i've learned from being in this business is that because people's attention spans are so short now and the shelf life of records is so it just comes and goes because there's just so much information coming at you my my personal fear is that since the record came out in 2000, what was it, 19, um, that to to reconvene and tour on that body of work 
would be an would be a challenge just because so much time has passed. But then again, you know, what do I know? <laughs> are you going to go out for? Are you going to go out and do solo dates again? Is would yeah. you like to do that? Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna happen. Uh, to what degree is the million dollar question? You know, is it going to be um, playing in in you know? Is it going to be just the the acoustic uh, approach, or am I going to be able to put the band together so I can recreate some of these songs live, like like the record? Um, that remains to be seen. But yes, I, I I intend on getting out there and 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 playing. And given because the I'm, amount of given the size of the draw for both Slash and Alter Bridge, having this solo thing, that might be the first thing that you're going to be able to do touring wise, just because you're going to be in, sl- in in some smaller places than either of those bands would play. So the, the 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 prevailing thought is that when touring comes back, it's going to be more at the club and theater level before it gets into the bigger crowds. And both Slash and Alter Bridge, I would think, are going to draw bigger crowds than you as as a solo act right now. So it, it's great to have this because for touring to get on the road, this might be the first thing that you're able to do safely. Yeah, I think that this this particular approach will probably be the first thing um, that you'll you'll be able to uh, do. I guess. Like I, like I keep saying, unless things change a lot quicker than than they appear they're going to, um, that that makes sense. That uh, if you want to go out and play theaters uh, or play, you know, whatever the venue is to where they're going to be, um, you're going to have the ability to keep it under control. Then then I see that happening. Uh, but yeah, if you, with 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 Alter Ridge, you know, we play. Are we going to be able to play the O2 Arena next week? No, <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be a challenge. Um, so we'll just uh, let this thing play out. Last thing. I know that you and the Alter Bridge camp have been close with Wolfgang Van Halen for many years. And last time I, last show I went to was Alter Bridge at the Will Turn in LA. You and Mark had done this show for Walk the Sky. It was a, a year ago and I was there and Wolfgang was there and we talked for a little bit. Now here's Wolfgang coming out with his song and first live appearance on TV the other day. Uh, he sent me a real nice thank you note. Just we, I had him on the show. Just a wonderful guy. It's got it's got to feel really good. And and I'm, I imagine you're really happy to see the response uh, in the wake of the tragedy of losing his dad. But his him stepping out as as an artist now in his own right. It's it's real. I think it's amazing and great to see. I imagine you you feel pretty strongly about it, having known him for so long. Absolutely, I'm I'm very proud of what he's achieved. I feel like it was such a difficult uh, set of circumstances um, that he's had to endure over the last year, and he's taken that and navigated uh, brilliantly. And and I think that uh, the music that he's putting out is, is very heartfelt and honest. And I, when I, when I first heard the single, I was just like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is somebody who is, is uh, paying tribute to his father beautifully. And, and you're right. It is really wonderful to see how the public's reacted and that, that, 
that gives me hope, you know, because, because, you know, as as you stated earlier, and we live in such a polarized, crazy world right now. And the, the humanity with all of that was, was needed and, 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 and props to Wolfie for getting it done. Proud, proud of him. Hard not to root for him the way he's conducted himself through all of this. And then you hear the music and it backs it up. I was amazed by his voice. I mean, I always knew given the genes that he was going to be able to play instruments well and having seen him play, of course, in Van Halen, but his voice is, is awesome. He's got a great singer. He's one. He's, he's so talented. He's, you know, obviously uh, I think from a genetic standpoint, uh, right. <laughs> he, 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 he definitely won the lottery, right? Um, right. He's, he's, he's got it. He's got it all. And, and yeah. I'm really happy for him. All right, man. So May 14th, Ides of March, second solo album from Miles Kennedy comes out. You can pre-order it now again at mileskennedy.com. Check out the single and very cool video, by the way, uh, that, that was done, uh, that was done by, uh, the director who did the last video from walk the sky. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, he's amazing. Uh, he's just got just an incredible vision. And, uh, when we sent the song to him, um, and then he sent the treatment back for what, you know, he envisioned, I was just like, wow. I mean, that's, that's amazing. So yeah, super talented cat. In stride, you can see the video online and wherever you watch your videos and hear the song there as well. And in addition to the a great song, great message. Everybody just chill out. Take it in stride. Calm down. Take a deep breath. I think we're on the other side. The home stretch is here. I feel it. And uh perfect time to send a message out like that, Miles. So thanks, bud. We'll do more on it when the record is actually closer to release to remind everybody and get into the full album when everybody can can dig into it. But uh best to you and your wife. I hope to see you soon. And thanks for the time. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure, man. All right, man. Take care. Love that guy. Thanks to Miles Kennedy. Can't wait for the new solo record coming soon. We will do a little break here, and then we'll come right back with another interview for you this week with the one and only Michael Schenker checking in from England next. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This is Denny Somak, host of The Rock Podcast. I'm a producer, author, and rock historian, and I want to share with you some of the greatest stories in rock and roll. Well, Bonzo was the best hard rock drummer ever, hands down. I mean, no one comes within a mile of him. And I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. John Lennon had this wise guy look on his face, just like me and my friends were just a bunch of wise guys, street kids. The first guitar I ever had was a Spanish guitar, and I couldn't really get the hang of it. I was only 13. I had never written a song before, actually, and uh, so Jim says, okay, everybody go home and write some songs, you know. And so I went, went home and wrote Light My Fire. Join me for The Rock Podcast, the only podcast that matters. From Podcast One or wherever you get yours. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back. Eddie Trunk with you. Needless to say, one of my all-time favorite bands is UFO. One of my all-time favorite guitarists and certainly one of the most influential is, of course, Michael Schenker. 
He joins us now talking about his new album and more on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's good to talk to you. How you been, okay? Considering the circumstances of the virus, yes, okay. You made a great record, though. This new album, Immortal, is really, really good. Were you recording this through the pandemic, Michael, or had you done it before? No, it, 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 it happened. Actually, while I was writing the music, I saw on TV that there was a problem coming up. And that was in, in just after I left the 70,000 uh, tons of, of, of metal crews. And it was uh, in Miami. I mean, actually, when I came back to the UK and I saw on TV there was a virus thing, I just completed all my music uh, compositions, um, you know, starting after the cruise in, in 2020, uh, January, January, I think. And, and, uh, and that's it, you know. And, and then I had to go through a whole complete new setup um, traveling-wise because everything was blocked and crazy. So did you so tell me about this decision with this record the last couple records that you've made you've made them under the name Michael Schenker Fest where you've had a bunch of singers from your past all guest on the record this record is just under your name Michael Schenker MSG Michael Schenker group but you also on this record it's very collaborative you have a lot of different singers and different guests so tell me about the approach to making this one versus the last couple records well, first of all, everything is Michael Schenker group. And um, even if he say Michael Schenker's Temple of Rock, Michael Schenker Fest, it always starts with Michael Schenker. It's good to have those subtitles as I look at it now um, so that people and myself don't lose, um, um, you know, like to realize which lineup is it, you know. I mean, I had Michael Schenker group since 1980. You know, and so we know Simon Phillips and, and Mo Foster from Jeff Beck Group, and the second was MSG with Cozy Powell, Paul Raymond, and, and Chris Glenn, and so on. And even, even the McCauley Schenker Group was, was a Michael Schenker Group. I gave him the M to keep the MSG. And so, you know, it, you, you know that Michael Schenker's Temple of Rock is with Herman Rabel and Francis Buchholz from the Scorpions and Doogie White from Rainbow. Michael Schenker Fest is uh, the original singers singing to my original compositions from the in the eighties, and uh, so it it it's it, it's basically all Michael Schenker group. But this is Michael Schenker's fiftieth anniversary, and so now we have another subtitle, <laughs> you know, um, to 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 make people realize that this is the current MSG Michael Schenker group uh, lineup. And, you know, I, I, I actually went through three steps in making this record possible. And, and uh, because of the virus, I mean, I actually planned um, as a second idea when I thought I missed the timing because I wanted to celebrate with a musician's dance and friends. And, uh, 
and, and I wanted to make it simple, have a humble 50th anniversary and put together a, a compact band with Ronnie Romero, um, Barry Sparks kept emailing me, I want to be your bass player. I said, you got it. And, you know, Steve Manbold was up and, and, and everybody was on board. But then the virus came out and, and everything got, got, got back to the original idea. I couldn't get together myself. But all of a sudden, the phone calls were coming in by itself from top musicians, uh, fans, uh, I mean, friends. <laughs> Unbelievable, like Brian Titchy, uh, you know, calling up. I, I, I heard about the 50th anniversary. I, I offer six drum tracks, you know, and... And um, I was calling Ronnie uh, Romero when I was ready to, to put his vocals down, uh, which he committed to sing all the whole album. But he was locked, you know, he was in Bulgaria. He couldn't get out and said, Michael, sorry, I can't do it. I can't do 14 days quarantine. I said, sorry, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We call you back. Think of a solution. We found... Ralph Sheepers, and then Brian Titchy calls up, and then he uh, offers the, 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 the six drum tracks, and then he calls back again, Michael Foss, uh, and, and say, a buddy of mine, Derek Sheranian, he's also a fan, he wants to make a contribution to the Michael Schenker 50th anniversary and, and, and wants to play keyboard. And I said to Michael Frost, what are we going to do with a heavy-duty guy like that? You know, uh, we already have, I purposely put all, all my guitars down myself this time to make as much Michael Schenker as possible. But um, I said to Michael Frost, what are we going to do with, with, with Derek? And he said, why don't you do a, a keyboard guitar jam? I said, wow, you know, maybe that would be great for, you know, something, something I've never done before. You know, when I, learned, when I heard the result of the whole thing, I never heard Ralph Sheeper sing before either. It was a recommendation by my partner, Amy, who's a bass player, very good taste, a music consumer. I haven't listened to music for 50 years. I don't know what's out there. But when I heard Ralph Sheeper, I went like, what is this? And, you know, <laughs> he comes from Germany. And... Uh, you know, and then together with Brian Titchy and and uh, uh, um, Derek, you know, when I heard the result, it became drill to kill. I was absolutely shocked, you know, and it just went on and on and on. And and Ronnie Romero got less and less songs because every time we called him, he wasn't available. He was locked up in his country, and uh, we all. We always had to think of, 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 of another step and another solution. And so then Michael first said, what do you think of Jolene Turner? I said, what? Jolene Turner, one of my favorite singers. And, uh, you know, he's a fan. I'm a fan. Do you have a contact? And he said, absolutely. The next day they were recording, you know, and it went like that. So, so Ronnie lost four songs already. And then Michael first came up you know, to that power ballad, you know, he always writes uh, as a co-producer uh, a, a, a B plan for singers, uh, melodies and, and 
uh, lyrics and stuff in case they get stuck. And he said to me uh, one morning, I came back from the hotel. He said, this is what I did to your power ballad. You know, I did a power ballad I've never done before. I, I don't know where it came from, but it was there. And when I listened to that, I said to Michael Voss, you have to sing this song. This is so beautiful. And there was another song called uh, The Queen of Thorns and Roses, um, which was an unusual song. And what Michael Foss did to that was, was just amazing, perfect fit. And I said, you have to take those two songs. So that was six songs less for Ronnie Romero. And then Ronnie was available. And of course, he did a fantastic job, you know, with songs like uh, Night of the Dead and uh, uh, So the Darkness, Come On Over, uh, then, of course, In Search of Peace of Mind. And then we have a bonus track, uh, which I don't think anybody has heard yet. Uh, we used that for a, an extra single. It's, it's a song, it's, it's, it's track number 11. That's not on the album. And uh, for tour promotion and a single. And, and, and you know, it, it, I tell you, when, when I heard the whole album in the end, I was absolutely shocked uh, with the result because it was exactly what I wanted, but so much better than I could have ever done by myself. And it feels like it was a gift from heaven telling me, you know, Michael, this is what we give you for your 50th anniversary, for staying true to yourself for 50 years and even decline Ozzy Osbourne, who I love. <laughs> what do you mean you declined him? He offered you to be in his band? Yeah. He called me up in the middle of the night when, when, when Randy Rhodes uh, uh, crashed and uh, died, you know, and, and he called me up uh, probably right when, 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 straight afterwards because they, they, they needed a guitarist and Randy Rhodes is a, 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 a Randy is a, is a, 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 a number one Michael Schenker fan you know and, and he must have always talked to Ozzy about me and so when, when Ozzy um, you know was in that situation which was a very terrible situation um, and Don Airy was actually in his band at the time, um, and 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 he called me up in the middle of the night, asking me as the number one choice to to help, you know, to to carry on with the tour and learn all the songs and you know. But I was in the middle of a salt attack, and and uh, Cozy Powell said, "Michael, don't do it. We we are in the middle of this now." And, and, and so, you know, but, but what I'm trying to say is my commitment to my, my vision of my middle years, which was such an important part for fulfillment, which fulfilled me. And in 2008, you know, doing all the experimental stuff that I couldn't have done with UFO, Scorpions, or Deep Purple, Ian Hunter, Motorhead, Ian, I mean, you, you name them, so many bands wanted me to join them, but I had to decline them all because I had a vision of getting this overflow of energy, of musical experiments, acoustic instrumentals, electric instrumentals, uh, 
you know, I did cover versions with top musicians. I mean, so much stuff. And then in 2008, I was fulfilled. I became 16, 18, 20 years old again. And from then on, I just moved all the way back, completely free to, the, to this place. Michael, let me ask you something along those lines, because I always wanted to get some clarity on this. So you just talked about Ozzy reaching out to you. I mean, it goes without saying you've had a you have had an unbelievable influence on so many guitar players, but you've never done those things. You've never really joined uh, established bands. Obviously, Scorpions, uh, you know, you were in and out of with your brother being there, but but you've never really done that sort of thing. And I want to ask you. Because there, there's three bands that I've always heard that approached you about possibly playing with them. And I want to get your take on how true that is and what the circumstances were. The one, I've heard this, and I don't even know if this is true. Did the Rolling Stones approach you at one point about possibly playing with them? I got a, tel- I, I got a phone call. I just joined UFO. And it was probably like, the same months, two months later, three months later, I don't remember. I didn't have a telephone. I had to go to my landlady, answered the telephone, and there was a request on, uh, would you want to audition for the Rolling Stones? And I went, uh, let me call you back. <laughs> I hung up. I got, I got so nervous, you know. I mean, I made my trip to England where I always wanted to be. I always told the Scorpions, you know, I, 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 I would, any band that would ask me from England, I would go there because in Germany, everything was dead. Nobody understood what I was doing on my guitar. And it was all disco music and no music management. Uh, I mean, Germany was not the place, but I wanted to be in England. And so, you know, not speaking English either, and, and and hearing about the guitarist dying of the Rolling Stones, and and and, and seeing in magazines the, the Stones looking for lice in each other's hair, <laughs> I got <laughs> kind of, you know, I actually called Rudolf back straight away, and said, Rudolf, I just got a phone call to audition for the Rolling Stones. What do you think? I'm I'm really nervous. He said, "Well, it's your life. You have to make the decision." And you know, but because I hung up, I, I I never had a connection, and I'm glad I didn't because I didn't want, I didn't want to go that far. Probably today, I wouldn't still, I wouldn't still, I wouldn't be still alive if I had joined them but maybe that was just in my imagination what the magazines you know present you with how crazy the musicians are it's not always that true you know but but for me the step joining ufo i was happy i was happy not speaking english and let the music do the talking and while UFO were making their jokes and have their fun uh, in English. I didn't understand a word. I focused on music and put UFO into a shape. Oh, well, you made some happy. of the greatest records was, in history with UFO, in my opinion, but you know yeah, that. <laughs> and I was happy, and I was happy um, having made such a uh, humble step. I was, you know, teenager. And I, 
I was very sensitive and, and very, very fragile and, and developing, you know, and, and being in a new country. You know, for me, it was a dream came true, but my focus was on, you know, developing as a guitarist. And I put all my energy into that, and I took Yovo with me all the way up to Strangers in the Night, and then even Love Drive, opening the doors for America for them. What about Aerosmith? I also I also heard Aerosmith reached out to you when Joe Perry left. Is that true? Absolutely. You know, Peter Nance, when he found out that I had left the Scorpions, which was very hard to fight myself out of that, um, because Rudolf wanted to be the Rolling Stones and Elvis Presley, and I had just peaked with UFO. And so, you know, why going through all of this again? And then he called me out, please help us, Michael, please help us. And I tried twice, and then at some point I had to run away. I'm seven years younger than them. When I was 15, they were already 21. They were businessmen. I was just a kid in the sandbox, play and discover, having fun, putting notes together, creating goose pimples. That's all I wanted to do. And so... When Peter Mensch found out the manager I had, yeah, Peter Mensch, who was doing ACDC at the time, right. and now Metallica, and, and, and you know, everybody knows him, uh, you know, in the music business, and, and Cliff Bernstein. I mean, those are the, the that's the team, you know. Sure, and, yep, I know. And, uh, Peter, Peter Mensch wanted me wanted to make business with me because because he he was a complete fan. He want, his first idea was to put together Danny Kamasi and uh, 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 Sammy Hager and Michael Schenker and, and some bass player. And then I ended up with Billy Sheehan, Danny Kamasi, etc., etc. I almost had Rush. You know, they offered to help me with my solo album. Wow. And, and, but, but I actually, you know, wanted to, to do something very small and, and humble because I wrote the hit lights out when I was 21 in 76 and I ran away because I got scared because I thought the music business was going to put me in a box and make me write hits you know and so I I had to by Strangers in the Night and, and, and Love Drive I had finished my first development and I wanted to go back to being an artist and stay humble and find a singer who would um, join me in my sandbox and play with me and have fun recreationally. No expectation, no competition, no, com- you know, no, no comparison or looking for fame or anything. And so Peter, <laughs> Peter Mann sent me straight to Aerosmith, you know, uh, to New York. And I stayed five days in a hotel before... They actually called me to come to the studio. When I came to the uh, rehearsal studio, uh, Stephen Tyler showed up completely drunk, you know, and I wasn't in a much better uh, uh, state myself because I spent four or five days in the in the hotel waiting. <laughs> right. What, what do you do? It's like isolation, you know. It's like like a virus isolation. You're just stuck in a hotel waiting for the telephone to ring. You know, to get the go-ahead, come to the studio. But it took five days, and by the time I got there, I mean everybody was out, out of order. 
And so, but the thing was that uh, I came back uh, to England and Peter and I said to me, Michael, I just found out that Stephen Tyler is in a hospital and, and the rhythm section of, uh, of, of Aerosmith is available. They offered to, to help you with your solo album, which was uh, uh, Joey Kramer and, and Tom Hamilton. And, I, and, and, and he said, go to Boston and, and, and start you know, rehearsing your, your uh, new compositions. So I went there. There was a guy coming. It was a, he was a giant rehearsal room and i saw this guy coming in uh, opening the door and he looked like the other guitarist from aerosmith and and when he saw us playing together we were on stage i was on stage with uh you know the rehearsal stage with joey Kramer and, and and tom hamilton uh, uh, uh playing he ran out of the door <laughs> and he must he might he, he must have run to Stephen Tyler's hospital saying, Stephen, Stephen, you must get better. You must get better soon. Michael is stealing our rhythm section. You know, <laughs> and of course Stephen Tyler got better and then Aerosmith <laughs> carried on, you know. I mean it, it, it was actually comical in a in a way, but but that's how it went. And and uh you know and, and then you know and then Peter Mensch found me all the other guys, uh, you know, Simon Phillips and Mo Foster from Jeff Beck and then Cozy yeah. Powell and so on and so on, you know. But it was such a, I mean, honestly, my, my journey is, is such a weird journey. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Do you have a book in you? I mean, I know you could write an amazing book, Michael. Do you have any interest in writing a book of your story? Have you ever thought about that? You know, the, the thing about book writing is, um, you know, it, it's just like, I, I, you know, I'm old enough to understand uh, what, what, what people do. I've been cheated uh, often enough, and, and I've heard lots of lies and, and so on. And I realized uh, at some point when, you know, people pointed out that Kiss were writing books and they all sounded different and about the same thing. And so I realized, like, wait a minute, anybody can write a book. Anybody. You don't even have to be a musician. Actually, actually, if, if a normal human being writes a book about, a true book about their experience, it would be so much more interesting than, than the stories that people come up with uh, as the last result when they have nothing left to offer on a musical level and they come up to write a book that uh, sells to the stereotype, which is the moneymaker, and create as many crazy stories as possible, even if they never even happened. Just to, you know, it's science fiction. It's, it's not true. Most, most books I have never written, I've never read any of them. But what I have heard of people who have been reading those books you know I, 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 came, I came to the conclusion Michael if you write a book you, you're going to be in the same boat I mean are people going to believe what you say because anybody can write a book about anything and right. make it as attractive as possible to sell as much for the fools and only fools 
can fool the fools. And there is a lot of them. And, and so, you know, at some point, at some, t- <laughs> at some point I said, you know, if I ever write a book, I write it five minutes before I die. <laughs> <You know? But laughs> it might be a short book another, then if another, you only have five another, minutes. <laughs> yeah, but there was another idea that was uh, uh, maybe um, um, uh, 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 I, I lost the train of thought now. Um, yeah, all right. I mean, it would be, you know, it, it would not be possible. But what but, but my point is, is to I, if I write a book, I want to write a true book. And actually, um, another idea was to write a book, not take a penny, and 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 um, dedicate that uh, and and and, and uh, sell it through a foundation, so that people could and would understand that this book is not a money-making book. It is a true life story of Michael Schenker. Right. And so, you know, that, that is, you know, what I can... All the people that... Uh, I'm so sorry, but, but uh, some people probably have written um, true books, you know. Uh, I wouldn't know because I don't read books. And, and, but, but what I heard and what I realized, what you can do with the book, and especially musicians that have nothing else to offer rather than making another penny uh, because they have nothing to offer musically anymore. You know, uh, Simmons says, rock is dead. Well, why does he say that? Because he can't make money anymore with it. You know, and I say, rock has only just started. You know, because I'm fulfilled. I'm an artist, and I do everything I do for my heart. I got fulfilled in my middle years, acoustic instrumentals, electric instrumentals, and I did everything I couldn't have done with Ozzy, Aerosmith, uh, even the Rolling Stones, or whoever came up, Phil Linnert, you know, Felicity. I, Deep Purple. I declined all of them just to stay true to myself, fulfill myself with the overflow of energy that I, creative energy that I had within myself that would have not suited any of those money uh, chasing people because it would have not suited the commercial world because it was all experimental. Experiments don't sell. <laughs> you know, only a trend sells. And if nothing else, I created a trend. I actually, Australia just told me, and, and, and uh, Markus Steiger, uh, from the head from Nuclear Blast, said that if I wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been, Nuclear Blast would have never been, and Thrash Metal would have never been, Dave Mustang told me the same thing when he heard the Phenomenon album. Um, what he heard was something he never heard before. And Kirk Hammett said exactly the same thing when, I, when he listened to the Lonesome Crow album. And so I'm not old school. I actually have step-by-step step created new schools, new schools. Australia told me 
If I wouldn't have been, death metal would have never existed. So, but I found this out after so many years. I mean, not even until I was 50, 60 years old. And, and I'm glad I didn't, you know, because I just wanted peace and, and do what I wanted to do for my heart. And I have. And, and, and that is the reason why I think this album uh, was really a, a, a spiritual, a gift, a gift, you know, because what I wanted to do with this album, the 50th anniversary of Michael Schenker, um, didn't work out because I couldn't make it happen. You know, I thought I lost the timing for the 2020 release, which for me is when I put the first note on the record, when I was uh, 15 years old, when I wrote my first uh, uh, music ever, In Search of the Peace of Mind. And um, In Search of the Peace of Mind was the, the uh, theme of my life, looking for contentment, freedom, and peace, etc., etc. And that's why that song became so important, you know, to re-record and make it an epic. And then I edit, you know, um, I asked Gary Barden, and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and Michael Schenker first uh, uh, singers, you know, to make a little contribution and go like, and I try, you know, <laughs> and they did. And, yeah. you know, and so the end result, I was absolutely shocked. I, I could have not done this by myself. No, I didn't. I didn't. It, it, it's just simply a gift. No, it's great. I'll tell you, I looked through the booklet and, and you mentioned guys like Tishy and Sherinian who are good friends. Joe Lynn Turner's an old friend. I was great. It was great to see him on here. I think Ronnie M Romero is a rising star. I mean, his voice is incredible. I love, uh, one of my favorite tracks on the record is Sail the Darkness. It's one of my favorite tracks you've done. I love After the Rain. I mean, there's just great. Look, you've always been known for this unbelievable, melodic, incredible hard rock. And the fact that you're still making it now, as good as, as, as this is, is fantastic. And the legacy speaks for itself. I mean, the, Michael, I could talk to you for hours about the artists that have talked to me and I've talked to them about the influence you've had on them. And I'm not a musician, but the influence on me, uh, just what a fan I am, has been enormous. But I'm out of time, so um, we'll have to continue a part two at another time. But I wish you luck with the record. I want to tell everybody again to check out Immortal. It is the brand new album from Michael Schenker Group, and you just heard all about it, and there's a host of guests on it. And it ends with uh, the Scorpions tune, In Search of the Peace of Mind, which I know is the first thing you recorded. So it's it's just a great bookend. Now, it's a it great was, way to it, celebrate 50 years. Yeah, but it was my it was my composition. The Scorpions credited themselves for it, which was not very nice, because I was 15, they were 21. I wrote the song, in my mother's kitchen all by myself. But Michael first sent me the original credits for the Lonesome Crow Scorpions album. It said Michael Schenker lyrics, Rudolf Schenker lyrics. We had zero knowledge of English. How could we have written lyrics? Complete misinformation. <laughs> we should have said Michael Schenker music and whoever wrote the lyrics, well, I don't care. You know? Right, right. But hey, I, Michael, I don't mean to... 
I don't mean to cut you off, but they're going to end the show on me because I have to end by a certain time. So if uh, I, I appreciate the time, I always appreciate you calling into the show. And I apologize for the phone issues at the beginning. Uh, well, you're welcome to come back anytime. I could talk to you for hours. And I wish you uh, best of luck with the record. And hopefully we'll see you out there on the road playing live soon, as soon as the pandemic allows. Thank you, Eddie. Keep on rocking. <laughs> Take care, Michael. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you to Michael Shanker. Always great to visit with him, checking in from his home in England. And earlier, of course, thank you to Miles Kennedy. Big thanks as well to Katie Irizari, the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And thank you for listening wherever, whenever, and however you do it. It is greatly appreciated. At Eddie Trunk on social media. I'm also on Cameo if you are interested. And I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode. Be sure to listen to me on Volume, Sirius XM Channel 106, live Monday through Friday on Channel 106, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live, live, live. And nightly re-airs, 10 to midnight Eastern, Anything you want, anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. That's where the interviews you just heard originated. All right. We'll see you again next Thursday for another podcast. Have a great week, everybody. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 